wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. And on today's episode, I have Chuck Talzy and I also have Sean Wainwright. These guys are duck and goose hunting experts. This last trip that we took to Colorado to go hunting out there at camp, there was 50,000 snow geese in the field that we got invited to go hunt. I couldn't even imagine what 50,000 snow geese It was white. Like. And about an hour later, we got a weather alert that there's going to be a blizzard. And we can only see about 20 yards. And it was blowing 60 and it was a complete whiteout and it was absolutely miserable but i wouldn't have traded that day for the world if you're on the x i think you could get away with the old timers trick when they used to tie trash bags paint them black and put them on sticks in the field to look like geese oh, there's there's articles where people use tires cut a tire in half paint one end of it white yeah and set it on the field yeah welcome to hunting day with stephen robbins now for your host stephen robbins all right guys and gals welcome back to another episode of hunting day and on today's episode i have chuck talzy like lousy but with a t and i also have sean wainwright and these guys are what i would regard as duck and goose hunting experts and they're going to talk to us about what it is that we should expect and how we should go about getting set up to go waterfowl hunting for the first time. So Chuck, Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. We're happy to have you here. So Chuck, go ahead and tell us what you, what you got on your mind today. Well, I, I hunt quite a bit for waterfowl, predominantly only for waterfowl. So, um, I hunt up in Lake Erie off of Pennsylvania. Um, I've been down to Arkansas I had a camp down there for two years. I uh, have a club out in Colorado, one in Maryland, and then I hunt southwestern Pennsylvania also. So um, I guess really the number one thing that I can stress the most is scouting is your biggest thing that you have to do. Like if you don't put the miles in, it's it's hard to do it. I think Sean would probably agree. Yeah, no, definitely agree. It's, you know, especially around here because we're not in a major flyway it's you you got to go find the birds and once you find them you can kind of like a lot of people do during deer season you know trail cameras you know they they pattern deer like you can almost you can pattern waterfowl you know they're going to go to the same field and feed for a couple days in a row and then they might go to a different field you know ducks or geese both or you know ducks it might be they're going to a different pond or section of the river swamp whatever so yeah you can almost pattern them yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things that we found that and uh, brushing your blinds in or whatever you're hunting out of, make sure that you're blended in. If if you brush it in and you get there and you still have 20 minutes of legal light, use that 20 minutes still. If you think it's good, make it better. Yeah, you, you know that 10 percent more. Uh, it's it's made a world of difference. We switched to. Instead of trying to find brush that's in the field, we go and get hay bales from farmers and, and actually take a hay bale out and break it open and, and stuff hay in our blinds, you know, our ground blinds and and even the panel blinds and stuff. We, we already have them brushed in with fake stuff, but we still put, uh, you know, hay or whatever. And it's, it's made a dramatic difference. Instead of having birds finish 20, 30 yards from us, we're having birds dang their land on our blinds. Yeah, I can't, I can't echo that enough. I know... So I've, I've grew up since I was probably 
eight, nine, 10 years old goose hunting, you know, with, was my favorite thing to do with my, my dad and his friends. And, and back way back then, like we didn't really have blinds. Like they would find a, a ditch, you know, next to a corn row or a, just a ditch in the field. And we'd lay down in that ditch and kind of cover up with rocks. And put, we'd have decoys out in front of us or behind us. And, and, you know, it worked for years, you know, we, yeah. we killed a lot of birds, but, but nowadays it seems like compared to 10, 15 years ago, like, I don't know if the birds get smarter or what, but it seems like the hunting is just so much more difficult nowadays. You and get a so, lot more people in it. They're getting educated. That's my personal belief. I, I totally agree. You know, the birds, they, they get shot at every single weekend. So they get, they get smarter every single weekend. But, you know, back to Chuck's point, I, I can't stress enough. Even now, you know, in the last 15 years, we've, we've moved to using the pop-up ground blinds and stuff like that. And I love them. And when we first got them, you know, we'd brush in with corn stalks and hay and, and all that stuff. And, you know, it, it, even even dad, even myself, it took a little while. But, you know, we were kind of doing it somewhat half-assed. Yeah, you lazy. Know? And it, one day. We all did that starting out. Yeah, it, there was one day in particular, I remember, we're in this field. And, I mean, there must have been a thousand birds in the area. And, and we saw them all that day. And they kept flaring. And I go, they, they didn't like something. They saw something they didn't like. Mm-hmm. So I walked 30 yards out in front of my blind and I turned around and I looked and all of our layout blinds just stuck out like a sore thumb. Yep. Everything else is kind of that dull green, brown, whatever. And our, our blinds, they just, they were kind of bright and shiny. And right. And we, we see that a lot here. And it, maybe if you're hunting down south, you don't have it as much. But, but at least up here, when we get a hard frost, you, we actually, we, we did it a couple of times this year down home in fields that we knew nobody was going to mess with our stuff at least. And we would take our blinds out the night before and set them in the fields so that they had that frost. Mm-hmm. Because if not, you've got a bunch of squares or rectangles yeah. sitting in the middle of the field with no frost. And you might as well just put a big arrow that says, Hey, there's guys right here. And we found the same thing with light snowfall and, and frost also going out and setting decoys. All you've got is a bunch of trails going around in circles, which you would, you know, maybe a little bit think, oh, well, that'll look like birds are feeding. Well, there's a lot different between bird tracks and, you know, boot tracks. And yeah. then all the boot tracks go back to the blind. So once again, you're just drawing a big arrow. Yeah. It's something you got to be really, really, uh, you got to be smart about. It's all those little details that you don't, you don't think would matter. But at the end of the day, it's like, it matters. Yeah, you know, after that one day I was just talking about, you know, I, there was a couple years where, my dad like he was a little stubborn and it took a took a while for me to kind of get through to him like you know if we're going to wake up at four thirty, five 5 o'clock in the morning you know I drive two and a half hours because all of you know my family we hunt over in Ohio you know like I'm not doing this half ass anymore like like well, you put all we, we put all this time and effort like it takes you know 30 45 minutes sometimes maybe an hour depending on how many decoys you set out you know whether it's two dozen or, or 10 dozen, you know, you do all this effort and then just to not even care about your blind, like yeah. there are a few, you know, probably five, six years ago and it took a while to get through to them. And I was like, no, I was like, we need, we need this. Like, I don't care about the decoys. The decoys are fine. You know, we need to focus on the blinds. And, yeah. and since then, like he, he takes it to the next level. Like he does a really good job now. So yeah, our numbers have kind of improved, but at the same time, the birds, the bird numbers have declined over the years. But. Yeah. Yeah. In the last, 
at, at least down here in southwestern PA, I can say that in the last four years, you know, it's we're not seeing anything. You know what? <laughs> we went from shooting, you know, three, four hundred big geese to I think last year, I think we shot 97 or something. And it wasn't we used to have days where we could go out with an eight man crew and shoot, shoot 40 geese, you know, with no problem, be done in two hours. And now if you see 40 geese in a field, we're excited. It's just, but there's hunting pressure's grown. You know, it's, it's become more popular. It used to be, it just wasn't as popular. Everybody wanted to deer hunt. And, and I think that all part of that is also that archers become more popular. So deer, yeah. people are getting their deer early and now they're looking for something else to hunt instead of having to wait for rifle season. Okay. So you would attribute the lack of birds to more hunters in the field uh, yeah i think hunting pressure but I, it, the the migration patterns have changed a lot at least in western pa they have um and even even in maryland we've seen it uh, you know kind of swing a little bit the 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 flyways kind of adjusted a little bit um what causes the flyway to to move so to speak i think part of it is we haven't had a hard winter up here in forever, so Lake Erie's not freezing okay. completely. You know, when, when Lake Erie would freeze completely, all those birds had to leave. They had to have open water somewhere, so they would move south. But they, you're also seeing a lot more of these outfitters and guide services that have, you know, hundreds and thousands of acres. They're, they're buying basically farm-raised birds. They'll clip a toe or whatever so that you know that it was a, a stocked bird, if you will. Yeah. And they, they've got their corn impoundments, and those birds, they don't have any reason to leave that area. And and because they're farm-raised, they don't know about, I don't believe, and at least in my mind, that they don't know about the migration. So you're not seeing this big push of birds, and I think it's educating the other birds that are leaving. Like, hey, you don't really have to leave here. you got all the food you want, and they got bubblers in it, so it never freezes. So I, that's just my personal belief. I know there's been some studies into it, and and stuff this year that they're looking into it and you know one biologist might tell you that that's that's the reason the other biologist might tell you that that's complete bs i don't well i think kind of to your point is you know because for several years you know it's maybe starting in 2009 or 10 for about seven eight years in a row um you know i would go on a little hunting trip uh, around december january time frame down to louisiana made a couple of real good friends and at least down there a couple of those guys like they didn't like they were not a fan of ducks unlimited you know of course they they all love you know saving the environment and uh, you know wetlands protection and that that wasn't the issue it's just they believe that the work that you know these these groups do like ducks unlimited you know along with these farmers or outfitters that lease these thousands of acres you know the the flyways are in such better shape than probably ever in the history of the flyways yeah. okay that the birds just aren't going as far south because they don't need to you know the they got all the food and resources they need you know w whether they stop in tennessee arkansas or kansas yeah kansas, kansas you know they, they're just not flying as far south as they used to because they don't they don't need to anymore okay yeah I, and i agree with that 100 percent too it's 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 become more popular to uh, make better properties because you, you want to yeah. have the birds. If you, if you know, some of these clubs can be absolutely. Well, I think that goes back to the, the popularity of just waterfowl hunting in general. You know, you yeah. have, you know, compared to 10, 15 years ago to now, like waterfowl hunting is, is, is a lot more popular. So 
between you know kansas and arkansas mm-hmm. and all that like you have that many more you know farmers and outfitters and and people in general that just they're they're going to yeah. work their property and yeah. it, well people found out that there's money in it right you know oh, it's yeah. the same with you know uh people at deer hunting they're willing to spend all this money to get on a good deer lease to have that chance at that you know 150 plus you know a boone and crockett puck or a pope and young yeah it's it's the same for us duck hunters you know we we want to have that ability to to i mean i've i've been doing i've been duck hunting for oh, 42 got a mold uh, 15 16 years yeah. i think i've been duck hunting and i have yet to kill a canvas back and i would pay all the money in the world to go somewhere where i can consistently shoot canvas backs that's why i bought a club in, or bought into a club in maryland because they have them but they always seem to show up the day after i leave which is <laughs> you know the same with anybody else. i went with you a couple times yeah, over we, there and, and cody was the only one that shot one no we Riker, jared Riker, remember him yeah he was my buddy he came he shot one cody, he got him out cody of, shot it with us the first time we went yeah because we were all standing in a blind screwing around because we hadn't seen a bird in two hours, hours. yeah and then next thing I know, we hear pow, and it was the only canvas back we saw the whole trip, and that's what you get for not paying attention. Oh, man. So, so the eastern shore of Maryland, I've done some hunting over there, some whitetail hunting, but primarily for psychodeer. And uh, I've noticed a lot of, kind of like what you guys were just saying, as the draw or the popularity grows, like farmers see the financial value that these animals bring and so we've seen more and more outfitters pop up you have less access as far as being able to go and lease a piece of property and so it's kind of one of those it's a double-edged sword right oh yeah yeah. you you love to go do it you want people to go do it with you but at the same time as the popularity grows maybe not necessarily the opportunity but it could limit the opportunity that you have to go and do such a thing yeah exactly i mean that's that's why i spent the money this year to i hunted a club last year in colorado and we only hunted it for two days but i saw more birds in one day there than i would in an entire season here and and it's no exaggeration we're excuse me we're seeing groups of oh anywhere from you know, a couple hundred birds to a thousand birds and they're working your field and there it's nothing to see four or 5,000 birds work the field that you're in where you're set up. You know, that's not counting all the birds you see in the distance flying. Yeah. And if we see a thousand birds here in a year, it'd be a banger year. Yeah. You know, but we're just, we just don't have it anymore. They, they moved and I don't, I can't tell you where they went. Um, actually I can tell you where they went. They went across the river. So for whatever reason, the Monongahela river is a dividing line here and they used to all be on the West side. Now they're all on the East side for some reason. And I don't know why. Okay. But yeah. So Chuck's, Chuck's your Southwest Pennsylvania waterfowl expert and, and I'm more Southeast Ohio. Okay. So I've, I've hunted with him what, once or twice over here. Yeah. You know, once a couple of few years ago and, and, uh, but I think because, you know, my family, I grew up hunting over there. Like it's, it's I just go there and get some time in with my dad and, you know, make those memories. And, um, but yeah, I, I agree with what he, like the birds, they're, they're way different than they used to be. We just don't have as many. No, no. And, and that's, that also goes back to us. You know, we used to be able to get away with buying the, the, the cheap hot buys at, 
you know, when Gander Mountain existed and all, you know, mm-hmm. the, you could go buy a dozen Mallard decoys for forty nine ninety nine or whatever. And you could buy a dozen goose decoys for a hundred bucks. And they were now just double. Yeah. Now they were just uh, cheap plastic ones that yeah, there's nothing wrong with them. They worked. I shot birds over them, but anymore, I, I, I think you really have to have a good quality decoy. You know, and I'm not telling you to go out and buy, I can't remember what the one guy's name is, but they're, they're like seven or $800 for six. I'm not telling you to buy those or suggest, suggest no, no, no. I buy avian. We buy avians all the time. No, I can't remember what this guy's. I like guy's, those. I like the Higgins they're, ones too. They're fully, they're, they have real feathers. They're, oh, they're right. like a real, they're flocked and feathered. And no, they're not flocked. They're feathered. They, it's impressive. Uh, one of the guys that I hunt with out in Colorado, he, he has them, but that's, he's, yeah, that's a. I don't have that, that kind that, of money. That goes into a whole other yeah, that's controversial topic of of like UV. Yeah, you know, how the birds see and like we tried that several several years ago. We bought a bunch of that UV paint and mm-hmm. painted a bunch of decoys. I and, have UV decoys. And honestly, I don't I don't know if it made a difference or not. Um, we that season that particular season, you know. And then, of course, the, the next season, half that paint's probably chipped off or whatever. But Right. It, and, and I can't argue that one way or the other. I, I don't can't say know. It, it, I, can't, I can't say it works or it doesn't. I would say it definitely doesn't hurt. Well, you know, you got some nice, better, fresh-looking decoys. Yeah. But if it, <laughs> I, if it yeah, helped exactly. or not, I don't yeah. know. Well, point in case, look at the decoys that we hunted over in Maryland on the long lines. Those are decoys that were made in the 80s, and we're hunting them in the late 2000s, and all they do is spray paint them so that they look better. Yeah. Again, you know? But they work, and there's mm-hmm. been thousands of birds shot. I, one of the best redhead hunts I've ever been on was down there, and it was absolutely ridiculous. And with, they're, they're not cheap decoys. They're they were the the big herders wrapped in burlap, so you could shoot them and you wouldn't sink them. But <laughs> it was it was absolutely incredible. But they weren't any. I don't want to say they weren't anything fancy because they are. I I still don't own a set, but uh, they weren't fancy they weren't flocked they weren't they didn't have feathers on them they wasn't uv it was spray paint yeah you know and it wasn't even uv paint when uh, i went on a trip there with tidewater guide service and hunted with rennie gay and we did uh, some goose hunting uh canada goose hunting and uh a lot of his decoys were silhouettes yeah like wooden silhouettes painted and yep. we you know we got in two days i believe we got a limit day one and uh, close to a limit on day two but uh yeah it's uh it's different it's kind of reminds me of turkey hunting you can go buy a cheap decoy and chances are you're going to kill a bird or you can go get the dave smith decoy or you could get the avnx decoy and it mm-hmm. looks lifelike and it may or may not help i don't know but uh it's it sounds very similar yeah, it, and yeah, yeah very it similar. really is it's it, there's i think when it comes to that aspect it's and, and even when you get into talking about calls and stuff, I think turkey hunting and duck hunting have a lot of similarities into that. Okay. You know, I I'm a firm believer and, and I know this is faux pas to say or whatever, but I'm a firm believer of you get what you pay for. Yeah. I I, I when I first started duck hunting up home, you know, up outside of Erie there, I our property was seven miles from Pima Tumen and Pima is just absolutely slap full of 
ducks and geese. Like it's ridiculous. And it seems like every other one up there has got a band on it, even though I've only ever shot one band up there, but they, I have a buddy up there that consistently shoots bands, but they, when I first got into it, me and one of my buddies, we didn't, you know, we didn't know left from right and right from wrong. So we would just go and buy those cheap decoys and put them out. And I couldn't call to save my life a duck. I still can't goose call, but, uh, we would hunt and we didn't care. It was just like, well, we've got so many birds. What's it matter? Why, why do you need to go spend all this money for this stuff and that stuff? We had the volume and that's, that's the difference. If, if you're on the X, I don't think it, I think you could get away with the old timers trick from back in the, in the forties and fifties when they used to tie trash bags or garbage bags or whatever and paint them black and put them on sticks in the field to look like geese. Oh, there's, there's articles where back in the day where people used tires. I've, I've, I've read a thing where cut a tire in half, paint one end of it white, yeah. and set it on the field. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's what they used to do back in the day. They did all these things. But if you're on the X, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like you, I honestly, and I, we, we've if, always. If you're where the birds want to be, like they were there feeding the night before, when they come off their roost the next morning, they're going to go, if you're where they were or where they want to be, yeah. I it doesn't matter I, if I your decoys you cost a thousand bucks or if your decoys cost a hundred bucks. Right. Okay. And we've, the group that I hunt with down here in Southwest PA, we, we've but your calling, your calling will matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't even know that if you're on the X, they want to be there. I don't think you'd have to make a noise if you're just, if you're blended and it goes back to the first, you know, the second thing, Yeah. if you're brushed in good enough and you look like, if you look like you're not there, I don't think it matters. All, all those decoys are telling those birds to do is the feeds right here. It's not over there. Come over here. That's that's really all you're doing with that. Now it gives them something to look at and everything too, you know. Yeah. But but you're you're generally telling them this is where you want to be in the field. So ultimately those birds are there to land to eat. They're yeah. there for food. Yeah. Yep. They're they're not they're not there. They they rest on the water. They're not there to sleep in the, I mean, don't get me wrong, you'll catch some sleeping in a field and stuff, but it's probably because their bellies are full and they're waiting for everybody to leave. But they're yeah, if they're if there's no pressure, like you know, up here, you'll have a you'll have a a season. It's in for three weeks, it, you know, and then it goes out. It's in, you know, it goes out for a couple of weeks, and then yeah, it comes you get back 60 in. Sixty days total. Yeah, and like you'll there, there's times I've seen those birds. They'll go to a field and they'll stay in that field and they'll just feed all day, and they'll be there from eight in the morning till five at night, and then they leave and they go roost on the river or somewhere. Yeah, and usually you see that on a big when there's going to be a big storm coming. Yeah, you know, that and when there's no pressure. Yeah, yeah, no pressure too. It's it's they're weird, and (laughs) I guess I'm contradicting myself. Oh no, you start factoring in the weather patterns and the barometric pressure. Yeah, you you start messing with all that. If barometrics up or down, like oh, they're going to fly late this morning. Oh, well, and heavy (laughs) fog will get you. How late the moon was up? It's it's the same as that goes in a deer hunt. Yeah, yeah. I I was getting ready to say there. That seems like a pretty good correlation to deer hunting yeah you can almost sometimes overcomplicate it versus oh yeah just go and hunt. yeah just go well the biggest and i'm as guilty I, i'm very guilty of this i like pile pictures and you know i like to, at the end of the day to sit there with four guys and say look at that we shot a limit for four people 
And sometimes I forget it's not just about that. It's the things that you see in, a, in or that you talk about and the stories that you get when you're in a blind. That's uh, it's it's a memory forever. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's all the com- com- camaraderie and it's all the just getting to relax out there, kind of like the nature therapy kind of deal. Yeah. And and part of it's kind of, you know, back to the what, you know, trying to figure out the weather and the pattern and the birds and this and that like when you know you have a few birds and you're trying to work those birds it's almost like a puzzle so it's like Mm -hmm. you get that much more dedicated to try to figure out like you know so you got to do a lot of extra homework on you know i'm going to go hunting this weekend and i want it to pay off for me and sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but yeah it's 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 a fun game but it's yeah it's that's the that's the thrill of it is is trying to figure it out yeah yeah we uh, this this last trip that we took to colorado to go hunting out there at camp uh it was a tuesday and we got asked by another group there was fifty thousand snow geese in the field that we were gonna that we got invited to go hunt i couldn't even imagine what fifty thousand snow geese it was white like it was white it was a cornfield that was just white yeah and it was and we were we were gonna hunt a field that had probably I don't know, five to 10,000 birds in it. And it was, we thought we were on a honey hole. And then we get this phone call and we're like, well, heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and about nine o'clock, we got the phone call. Hey, do you want to hunt with us? And we're like, yeah. So we, we planned to do that. And about an hour later, we got a weather alert that there's going to be a blizzard. So we woke up in the morning and it was snowing just like any other, you know, nothing big, nothing to be concerned with until we got out to where the field was and we could only see about 20 yards and it was blowing 60 and it was a complete whiteout and it was absolutely miserable but i wouldn't have traded that day for the world it, it, it was so much fun did they come in right when we packed up nice yeah that yeah. always that right, always happens right when we packed up they started coming in and we didn't see the fifty thousand, but we probably saw a couple hundred that were trying to come in on it and we were all standing out in the field and at that point in time, I, I took my bibs and my jacket off and they stood on their own. They were frozen solid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Whenever and we were in a pit, we weren't even laying out in the snow. We were in ground with lids over us to, to give you an idea how bad it was. A guy got out to go to the bathroom and I'm going to say he was gone for 10 to 15 minutes and he finally got back in the pit and we asked him, what, where were you? What were you doing? He couldn't find us. It, it, we were snow blown that bad that you couldn't even tell where the pit was. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, was wow. this his last trip here? Yeah, on? yeah. Man, I'm glad I glad I ended up having to work. Yeah, so it it was crazy, <laughs> and I, I guess it, to to step back a little bit as far as talking about decoys, um, everybody has their own opinions, and it's not what to buy, but how to set up, and and I guess that's something that Sean and I had never really talked about, but you know, everybody's got their own patterns that they want to set up this, that, and the yeah. other thing. Right. Um, I'm a big fan of doing a hook or doing just a straight line a and J hook straight yeah, line. That's, that's, we do that a lot. And I, and, and I try to put the majority of the decoys five to 10 yards in front of our blinds and then, then run everything behind us. That way that pockets more closer to, to your feet. You know, there's something, there's something to be said about having a, a, a goose or, or a duck even finish in your face you know it's it's undescribable when you're watching those birds from you know 100 yards out and they set their wings and they're coming in and you got you know 30 50 100 of them 
and they're they all got their 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 wings set and they're doing that little dipsy doodle thing you know they're dropping and they're just coming and next thing you know they're right on top of you and you can you know you 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 make the call you take the shot the shot and 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 it freaks you out because you sit up and there's one you know at your feet but it's it's undescribable that feeling just watching them come in and knowing you got them and right on they're right on top of you you got them on a rope and they're right there it's that's yeah that's that's what i love that's that's what gets you hooked you know for the first timers for the for the anybody out there like if you experience that where you're you're in the you're in a layout blind you got decoys all over you you're you know you're cold wet tired whatever and you're calling and those birds are coming in they got their wings set and they're right on top of you cupped up and coming Oh, that, that's what you do it all for. It's, and, and I can relate it to, cause I used to be really big into archery. Like that was, I, I didn't, I quit rifle hunting years ago because I liked archery hunting because you, and I only archery hunted during the rut because you got to interact with that buck, right? You could, you could rattle at him. You could grunt at him. You could snort wheeze and you could see how that deer reacted, right? Yeah. It's, that's the best correlation I can give to somebody about duck hunting. You know, you or, or goose hunting, you hit them with a call and you can, and you turn them. It's, it's the same as you snort wheezing at a buck and you see him just fluff up and strut and walk all stiff legged to you. And there he is at 12 yards broadside and you brought him there. It's, I think that's to me, Agreed. that's, that's what waterfowl hunting is. It's just every day. You don't get that two week window. It's every day. You would, you would love hunting with me and dad because Dad, I don't, we, I don't, I don't like some of your hunting style. I, so what? <laughs> you would still love it because on the on the goose hunt side, like when we got decoys and blinds and everything, so Dad gets the birds. We see him coming. He'll just start calling. Sometimes he overcalls, and sometimes I like I'll let him, like I'll watch the birds and like to see how they're reacting, and if they keep coming, depending on what they do, I'll just let dad do his thing. And there's times when he starts doing his thing, I could see the birds and they, they turn or they, they make a reaction and I'll be like, dad, shut up. Oh yeah. And it, but he's hard of hearing. So he doesn't hear me. Right. Don't so make fun like, of people that are hard like, of hearing. Hey, I take my hearing aids shut up. up, shut up. And I got to throw a rock <laughs> at him. Like stop, stop calling. Yeah. And, and that's a big thing too, for people. It's, but to your, to what you just said there a minute ago, like, and, and I do the same thing, like, like I'll make a call or I'll grab a different call. Like I got like three or four goose calls on my lanyard and like, it's all based on like, I, I watch their reaction and they'll tell you within a, within a couple of minutes, like what they're going to do. Yeah. And, and if, yeah, you can, that's a, a, a big thing for people is let the birds tell you what to do when they're coming. Right. You know, if, if you're here, do, ham- you do the whole, like, if like the ones that surprise you, like they haven't made a sound and all of a sudden you see them, like you call back to them or? We, we so we'll honk at them a couple times, we'll moan. Same with ducks. Yeah, yeah it, and ducks are, ducks are so weird. Like it's, it's, cause you know, geese, if you see them off in a distance and you can get them, you can get them to cup up a hundred yards away and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they'll come on a line. Ducks always want to circle you at least oh, twice. Yeah. And if you get them to circle twice, you hit a home run, but they, they, they're, they're, they're ignorant. They just don't, they didn't read the memo. They didn't, they're not doing what you want. Duck, they're to, stubborn. Ducks are stubborn. You know, and, and usually the only time that they cup up and come in perfect is when you didn't see them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's it. Uh, it, it's yeah. It, but let the, let the birds tell you what to do. If, if you got geese working, you and they're loud, 
and they're talkative, be talkative with oh, them. Yeah, but you if gotta, they're being quiet, just hit them with some moans and, and you got to respond like to what, what you can they're blow telling off. you. Yeah. You know, there's been times when, when they're not making a noise and we're just like, Oh, there they are. And they're on top of us. You know, we might have a guy out of the blind. Usually it's always one of those like, all right, Hey, yeah, I gotta got to take a take piss. Leak. Yep. Get up. You know, you got to walk 10 yards away, take a, take a leak. And just like, Oh shit, there they are. Yeah. It, it's, and it happens to everybody. And that was something I was going to ask Sean is, and it, it happened. If, if you hunt, it's going to happen to you. You're going to get caught out of the blind or you're going to get caught with the blind lids open and everybody's talking just like we are. And then all of a sudden there's a goose. Mm-hmm. Do you run and hurry up and close up or do you leave the lids open and tell the person in the field to lay down? It depends on how far away from the blind I am. So if You still want to run though. If I'm relatively close, I will run back to my, my blind. Like there's been times when like you know if i'm cold or something like i'm gonna go for a walk Mm -hmm. and and where where we hunt you know outside of marietta ohio down there a lot of times we're in a field relatively close to a river your honey hole away yeah like well relatively close to the river so you know if if it's been a real slow morning like i might grab my gun and like hey i'm gonna walk down to the edge of the river see if there's anything down there uh catch some ducks sleeping on the bank or something like that and i'll be 50 yards away. Oh, yep, there they are. Because it always takes somebody to walk out of the blind, and then you know it's going to happen. It's it's instant. So if I'm further away, then I just just get down, and I just don't move. I lay in the field. And that's actually worked a few times, because they'll come into the guys. They'll take a shot, get a couple. fly over you, and then you And then just depending on the way they circle after being shot, they'll fly right over me, and then I've killed one or two that way before. That's that's also a big thing, too. If you get out of the blind, always take your gun. Because if you don't, you're... it's guaranteed you're going to have birds fly over you. Mm-hmm. It's, All it's day late, just yeah. how it is. But I don't know. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know what the right thing to do or to say is, is as far as setting decoys, if, if you're going to set them behind you. I know people that put them in front. You know, we hunt in Colorado, and, and the difference between hunting out there when you're seeing thousands of birds and hunting a field here in southwest PA or even – even up in Pima Doom and up, you know, Northwest PA, you know, there's a lot more birds up there, but you're not, you're not having, you know, four or 5,000 birds in a field. You might have four or 500. If you have a thousand in a field, that's like, call all your friends right now. Yeah. So yeah. I know I'll, I'll tell you kind of my mentality when I go down and, and I'm setting decoys with dad, uh, over in Ohio, because and I know ma- majority of the time we're dealing with local local birds. Yeah. Now I killed a couple this past weekend, and they they probably had an inch layer of fat. So I guarantee you those were migratories right. from up north. But so to your to your point, like you know, do you set them behind you? Do you set them in front of you? Predominantly, I would say like we set ours mostly in front of us, and we'll we'll always have several behind us. So we're, we're, we're kind of, we'll have like maybe a third of them behind us and two thirds in front of us. I like the... Yeah, see, we do ours the opposite way. I like the opposite, like you were saying. Because you put the pocket closer to you. But in Colorado, it was completely different. But the, what I was getting at is here, we might run like a big spread here, six, eight dozen. Okay. Colorado, people will laugh at you if you show up with six, eight dozen. Yeah. Like we're running 60 dozen, 80 dozen. It's it's inc- it's 
it was mind blowing to see. I've never seen a spread like that until last year when I went out there and hunted. And then this year we put a guy pulled up with a 32 foot trailer and he said, well, we're only going to put about half of it out. And I said, well, how many is half? 80 dozen. Holy crap. <laughs> like, it's mind blowing. What's the reasoning? But there, there the amount of, of birds you're you're replicating what you see in the field. So that's that's a, that's another big that's another okay another big thing is if you go and hunt a field, you're you're only hunting a small group. Just say it's the three of us, and we're going to go hunt. We got forty birds in a field, and it's a couple different groups. Don't go putting one hundred and twenty seven birds there or decoys because it's that's not what was there the day before. Don't. And, and this is my personal opinion. I'm sure people can argue this to death, but I, me personally, you put what you, what you saw. If, if you saw a hundred birds, don't put more than a hundred birds in it. You know, I'm, I'm not saying don't put 105, but right. don't, don't put a hundred, don't put 300 eco. Don't put 60 dozen in a field that you saw a hundred birds in. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, it's not what was there. For us, I know how many, how, how much we have, like if we see a field and it's got you know a couple hundred in it we'll go the next morning and if we throw everything we got at it it's about seven or eight dozen um but you know this where we are today like this late in the season there's been you want them bigger we want a bigger spread in this late. we've we've tried this before so we've we've gone bigger and it's worked but we've also gone smaller you know again we're hunting a lot of local geese a lot of times that's different if you're hunting residents and there's been times when we said well it's just me and dad and and maybe we know we only have like a couple hours because we got something to do going on that day or whatever like we'll go out and we'll set one dozen and that has actually worked very well for us before like a small group and even if a big group of like 25 or 35 or 40 or whatever's coming in which again, I know people are going to be like, "That's a big group." Well, yeah, when you're only dealing with a small it, it, town, it is down group. here, yeah, yeah. But for like that'll work sometimes too. But yeah, it's and it's funny because you you you'll have all these conversations with your friends while you're hunting, and nobody's opinion's wrong. It's only wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's only that makes it, sense. It's only wrong until after because yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> then you can say, oh, well, if we would put out more, yeah. you know, we, we, you always second guess yourself. Yep. We, we've, and, and we, we've done the, we've done the small spreads and had exactly what Sean was talking about. We've ran two dozen. And then next thing you know, we got 70 birds coming in and we don't have enough decoys to put them where we want them. And that's ultimately all you're doing with your decoys is putting them in the pocket where you want them, you know? And, uh, in the wind, the wind down here is terrible because yeah. it seems to rotate all the time. Yeah. You could, you could set up one morning, play the wind and an hour later that wind's shifting and, and sure, I'm sure you guys have done it too. Like mm-hmm. if, if you notice it and you're laying there and you're blind, you notice it, should we, we hop out and we go rotate decoys and don't be afraid to move the decoys. Okay. No, that's, that's cause if you don't, you're just hurting yourself in the end. Have you ever like, we, we do this all the time or, you know, we'll have uh, between the between like seven and nine o'clock. It seems like that's going to be the the busy hours, or like that's when you expect the birds, at least where we're at. And so, if we think we've seen the majority of the birds, or the birds have seen us, and maybe we get a few, or maybe we don't. You know, just depending on the day. You know, after a certain amount of time, like we'll go out and we'll adjust the spread. We'll move them around. You know, we'll we'll twist them ninety degrees 
something, but we'll, we'll make the entire spread look entirely different because for us, you know, dealing with small local, uh, you got to change it up and give them something different to look at something different to look at. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. I never really thought about it that way. You know, we do it out of sheer boredom. It's not yeah. well that too, but it's not that big of a deal for us to do that because again, we're our, we might have four to six dozen decoys. It might take 15 minutes or, right. or not that long. You know, if we had a thousand out, I'd say, no, I'm just going to sit here and drink there's, coffee. Yeah, there's there's a lot to that also. But when you're hunting those big, like those big spreads out in Colorado, you got six or eight guys in 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 the pit with you, and everybody gets out and you can move them. and And we run a lot of silhouettes out there as opposed. Well, I shouldn't say it's probably fifty fifty silhouettes and and full bodies. It just depends on who you're hunting with. Socks, Some silhouette socks or whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of them. I, I don't know because you need such a steady wind. You need a big wind. And we have a few. If you're going to run the socks, you're not going to run the silhouettes because the wind will blow the silhouettes. Something I did learn this year that I will gladly share with everybody. And it was something I never thought of. When you have a steady, constant wind, 15 mile an hour plus, if you're putting your shells down, you, you have to think about how you put them down because a goose isn't going to lay in the field with the wind hitting them at the, like you, you, you put their head into the wind. And I always thought it would be different because they don't want the, the wind blown in their face. Right. But if you think about it, a goose isn't going to lay in a field with their butt to the wind and then the winds lifting their feathers up and then they're, get, then they're getting mm-hmm. cold. It was cause we set up on a field the one day and I was like, I don't like that all the decoys are pointed one way. And the guy's like, well, we do that it, because, and it just looks it was, unnatural sometimes. Yeah, it does. If you've I got agree. everything pointed the same way, I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. When, but so then he explained it to me and it made perfect sense. I'm yeah. like, yeah, that, yeah. Why would you want to sit there? It's the same with us. You don't want to walk into the wind. If you, you know, the point in case the day that we hunted that blizzard, I didn't want to look into that snow. I turned around. Because that's how my hood went, right? Yep. So if I look into it, then it's going to blow my hood off. Yeah. It's the same as with those geese and their feathers, ultimately. Yeah, waterfowl, they're, they're always going to land into the wind. And, you know, like on a light wind or a no wind day, like we'll lay the spread out. And should we have decoys facing every every which way? Because, you know, I always think like, you know, I drive by a, a field or whatever. I see a couple hundred geese out there. Uh, or whatever, and you, and you look out there like they're not all facing the same direction. They're all which direction? Yeah. yeah. And but on a heavy wind day, like yeah, all day long. What what you yeah. said? They're they're gonna they're gonna be facing the same. Yeah, direction. it was just something I never thought of, and it's just one of those things when you look at your spread. Well, we got to change Again, that because all those they're, little they're all, tiny yeah, details. They're all yeah. looking to the right. Well, that's where the wind's coming from, you know, and. And with those variable days, something that, that myself and, and my best friend Zach and I did last year in Colorado, we had uh, we had a day where the wind just wouldn't pick a direction. It seemed like every 30 minutes it was coming from a different direction. And we were on a field where the birds wanted to be. We, we were in a very good spot. And instead of running a J or a straight line, we actually ran an X, just literally an X right over the pit. Okay. And then you gave, it didn't matter which way the wind was coming. They had four pockets, you know, mm-hmm. now granted the problem with an X is, is if they land on the right or the left, it's just the guys on the right or the left that are shooting, but you're still shooting birds. They're not setting outside of your decoys. They're not landing 50, 60, 70 yards from you. Yeah. They're still in a pocket where you're going to get a shot. 
So I, I was going to mention this earlier, but I didn't want to cut you off. So we were talking about, you know, spread style, J-hook or um, straight line, and you mm -hmm. mentioned the X. So and, and, and so we've done this before, so I want to get kind of your thoughts on this. We've done this before. Again, we're dealing with not as many birds as maybe you guys or, or many others, but sometimes I, I think about like, when the birds are coming in, what are they looking at? Because you you've seen them before, and, and you look up, and their heads are going. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're their like head, a turkey. Their, their heads are turning left, right. You know, they're looking at something. So, so we've done it before, where like we might do a J hook, mm -hmm. and we'll take. And, and this is only if it's if it's like me or dad or like three of us. If there's eight of us, we're gonna sit. We're gonna sit in the decoys, and we're gonna put silhouettes, and we're gonna put decoys around us, and hey, mm -hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna look good. But we've done this before where if it's, you know, just a few of us, like we'll actually sit outside the decoys, you know, 10 yards off to the left, out of the out of the way, you know, maybe right even with the pocket so, or something. So that they're not looking at you. Yeah. And it's or the thought. Make you think that they're looking at you. Yeah. The thought, the thought being like, they're looking up here at the decoys. They're not looking over here at us. Right. Now, I, I do, I do know that the only difference is when they get close enough, you got to stop calling because you the know, sounds coming from a different the sound angle. is coming Hitting from, a them from the side. left instead of in front or on the right or whatever. So there's, there's a little bit of nuances there to that, but I, I think there's something we've had mixed success that, with that it. You could, I don't, I don't think it's wrong. Cause like you said, you've had success and, and it's, you know, something that we learned this year from, you know, being in that club in Colorado on our pit lids, we put shells on them. Mm -hmm. Cause if not, you've got a big, whatever the heck the pits are 25 30 feet they're eight man pits they're 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 very big and if you don't put decoys on them then you've got squares and these are pressured birds yeah so you've got eight squares that these birds are seeing when yeah. they fly over you you know when i when i said they're like a turkey and and i'm sure it's happened to any turkey hunter that's ever done it you've got a bird that's working you and he's going and he's moving right to left or left to right whatever and he gets behind a tree and right before you think he's behind a tree and right before he gets there, he pulls his head back and looks. And that's when you're trying to pull your gun up and they catch you and off they go. Yeah. You, you've had that. Yeah. I've had that happen. Absolutely. To me. It's the geese do the same thing, except for they're looking down on you and they've got a much better angle than that turkey on the ground. They can see everything you're doing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's why it goes back into making sure you're blended in good. And the other big thing is, is not looking up. Yeah especially when you're duck hunting if you're standing in a swamp or something it's so hard especially with newer hunters you want to see that's what you're there for you see this you're, you're there to watch them birds work and do all this fun stuff right yeah you want to see them diving through the trees if you're hunting through flooded timber and smacking their limb you know oh, yeah. wings off of branches it's just cool to see the something when i when i was down in arkansas an older gentleman taught me this and i i was ignorant to it because i was that guy that looked up hey if you put face paint on you're you're golden you know um the water's your mirror that so makes sense look Ooh. at the water no i never thought of that yeah the water's your mirror you only need one guy and basically it's the guy that's calling a shot i've never hunted flooded timber so yeah. well even even hunting open water well, it, yeah it, for open sure. water is a heck of a lot better than in timber but you know, as far as a mirror wise, yeah, but yeah. you don't need to look up, look at the water. You'll see everything that you granted it's in reverse, but you're still seeing everything that that one guy is that's looking up. But to that point too, like 
you know, the birds see that too. So like, try not to, you know, yeah, lack, you still don't want to la- lack of movement yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, but, you still. I, that that was one of those things that I learned a while ago, and I'm like, man, and, and I tell my friend, well, point in case, Sean's been hunting a while, and he never even thought about it. You know, it's the water's a mirror. That's, yeah, that that's just a, a a type of hunting that I haven't done before. You know, in Ohio, when we do um, where I'm from, we have our early season is wood duck season. You know, we kill close to in ten days. That's our that's our early duck season. Uh, in nine ten days, we kill close to a uh, hundred wood ducks, give or take, and we'll hunt. You know, probably seven of those ten days at least. Yeah. But you know, we do a different type of hunting where we kind of we kind of drive the ducks. So we're hunting creeks. Um, that's where they're at. So we'll have you know two guys on one end with the dog, and then we'll have four or five guys on the other end. And and the two guys on the one end, like they're they're walking up the creek. They, you know, they find the ducks, they jump them and they fly down the creek and the other guys are shooting them. So it's kind of like a, you know, a deer drive, yeah. but it's a duck drive. <laughs> I like that. Nah, but we, I'm a hundred percent against yeah, it. Yes. So I know I, he hates it. It drives me nuts. But it's actually, it's fun. Uh, it's actually really hard because if you're on the standing side and those ducks are flying down, sometimes they're low, sometimes they're high, but man, they're, they're, they're getting it. Yeah, like they're yeah, flying. They're they're flying fast. Yeah, the only cheating is the guys driving them. If you shoot one on the water, sometimes you have to. Hey, sometimes you got to do the Arkansas water swat. <laughs> but on the far end, on the standing side, I mean, you better make sure you got a, a nice, decent clearing because they're coming about sixty miles an hour. Yeah. And it's it, I guess it's all about where you hunt. You know, like up home we have. Well, you came to one. Yeah. Like the amount of wood ducks that we saw in 15 minutes was ignorant. Oh, crazy wood ducks. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, Sean was shooting them at the top of the trees and I'm like, stop. They're, they're, we, we were literally hunting a little <laughs> slough that was 15 yards wide, maybe. About as probably big as this room. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard for the listeners to see the room but it's not very big yeah <laughs> so <laughs> so it wasn't really wide and and because sean had hunted the way that he had and he had never hunted up there with me oh i'm shooting through tree limbs yeah, and, and i'm like what are you doing man he's like well, did you see that duck i'm like it's gonna finish right here and then he waited and sure enough and and you know we got we, 11 that day didn't we or yeah, we had several yeah we had 11 with four guys so it it, it wasn't it was a great hunt. Don't get me wrong. And it was, it was about 10 minutes of excitement because it was where they, it was, it was a roost yeah. and that's what we were hunting that evening. But we had thousands of wood ducks on us and yeah. it was just something that a lot of people don't get to see. I've got friends that are, you know, from down South and they're like, all I want to do is shoot a wood duck. And I'm like, I'm so tired of shooting wood ducks. I got five of them mounted. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a, you know, it's, it's, it's where you're at, you yeah. know, it goes back to, so back to that. Yeah. Me wanting to shoot that canvas back. Yeah. That is yet, you know, I have yet to do it. How about I, I, I sent you that picture this weekend. I shot a, a lesser scalp and you know, I was thinking when I first shot it, I'm like, Oh, I shot a bluebill and I actually had to look it up and I was like, no, that's a lesser. And so when you texted me, I was like, I was like, I had just looked it up right when you texted me. And so my dad and, a couple of my buddies that I hunt with, they're like, oh, you're going to get it mounted? Because, you know, I would say, I'll, I'll ask you this. You know, I've gone to Louisiana several times. I've gone out into Missouri a couple of times. I know you've been to Arkansas and Colorado mm-hmm. and several different places. Um, 
so the driving factor, like what drives you? Like, I want to go do that hunt. Like for me, it's, it's not necessarily about the volume of different, different, or the, you know, I'm going to go hunt Canadian goose and it's about the volume. But I know when I, the first time I ever went to Louisiana, we killed the first hunt. We killed like nine or 10 different species of ducks outside of a mallard, like, mm. outside, you know, nine or 10 different species of ducks that I'd never even seen before, you know, up here in Ohio where I, where I hunt. Right. And actually one of them was, uh, which we have them in Ohio, you know, don't get me wrong, but I just never seen one or killed one was a gadwall and it was real pretty. I got that one mounted. Um, but so anyway, so this weekend I actually killed a lesser scalp. It's actually, it's kind of pretty. It wasn't bad. Um, it was a nice but bird. I, but I ended up knocking the feathers off, you know, you know, stripping it down and, and literally like, as I'm stripping the feathers off, you know, my buddies, my dad, they're like, oh, we've never, we've never seen those before. You're going to get them mounted. You're going to mount it. I'm like, <laughs> I just got like, a handful of feathers. <laughs> I, I've already, I, I've already knocked the feathers off. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I was like, well, I just, I guess we'll just have to go kill another one. Right. And, and, and for me, it's, don't get me, like I said, I, I like those pile pictures, right? Yep. You know, but I'm all about shooting. I, I want to kill them all. I, not kill them all, but I want to kill every species. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm seven or nine away from killing every bird that is in every North American uh, waterfowl species. And that's something that I want to do. Yeah. I'd like to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting old and I'm beat up so you're not even gray yet you're fine yeah don't look too hard <laughs> but you know and, and i realize there's some of those birds that i'm never gonna get um you know a, a king eider i probably won't ever get and a harlequin i'll never probably never get because i don't want to well, we better spend, go out west then well you know a friend of mine was going to go on a, on a harlequin king, king eider hunt in alaska and it was sixty nine hundred dollars for three days just for the hunt that's not getting out there. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I can, I can do a lot better things with 6,900 bucks, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a big price to put on two birds. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I might be at, there's a few of them. Like I haven't shot a cinnamon teal yet. So I got to ask you this. If those are the only two you got left, do you think that's 6,900? Oh, yeah, no, I absolutely. I'll spend it. Every okay. Yes. If I get down <laughs> to those, if I else? get down to those two, yeah, it's, now, it's now done. Cinnamon, cinnamon, we, we probably got to go to Mexico for that one. Colorado, Texas, oh, they have California. I looked cinnamons up there because I've killed, I've, I've, I've got plenty of blue wing, plenty of green wing and Actually, I was talking to my buddy in Louisiana one time, and I asked him if they ever get cinnamon. He said, very, very rarely do they ever see one. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I started looking them up one day, and like, it's like, oh, it was all about Mexico and the you know yeah. hunting places down there. I didn't know they had them out there. Yeah, yeah, they've got them out there. It's uh, the the guy who we stay with out in Colorado. He he had a pair of nesting cinnamon teal in his front pond. Oh, nice. And I was like, well, I'm going to come out and fly out and just shoot them off your pond. Just, <laughs> I, I know it ain't very sporting, but it was a check in the box. And then they had a drought and the pond dried up and they haven't been back. Yeah, and, I know. And I'm making, he gives you a, a hard time yeah. about driving ducks and he yeah. wants to shoot yeah. a, well, a nesting different. pair. <laughs> Dif different styles. <laughs> well, you know, I would have called at him yeah. after the fact. <laughs> at least we, we let him try to fly before we yeah. shoot him. I, 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 I didn't do it, so I'm not, it's not like well, I you did thought it. about it. I yeah. thought, I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought about a lot of things. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, well, 
that's that's awesome guys and i I really appreciate just the time that you guys have spent and sharing your stories and i've learned a lot just from just from the like this little bit of time that we spent and uh I'm definitely going to have to have you guys back on. And I, you know, there's something about waterfowlers because you get together and every single waterfowler has had different experiences and different stories. And, and I mean, hell, if like if Chuck and I went on the same exact hunt tomorrow, you know, we'd probably both walk away with different experiences and different, you know, just yeah things, you know. So that's why... I, I mean, I could probably, we could probably sit here for the next two hours and just talk about stories and stuff. I mean, I got, yeah. I got stories out the wazoo. It's, it, it was a great time and I enjoyed it. And it's, it, it is, there's, there's a, there's that bond that you can, if you find out somebody waterfowl hunts, you can talk about everything yeah. Oh yeah, and you'll be best friends. But if you met them at the dock the next morning, it's a race to get yeah. to where you're going. Not while you're on the water, but maybe maybe if you're yeah, I'll meet you at the bar for a beer. Maybe maybe we'll at the bar or something. Everything. Okay, no, fair so enough. It's, it's it's you know it's the same with deer hunting. You don't want to give your spot away, right? So it's, hey, it's, where'd you where'd you kill those birds? Oh well, you know over there. Yeah, yeah. when really it's over here. Yeah. Oh, we we deal with that all the time. Bow fishing. We'll we'll go down to the Chesapeake Bay and we'll do these bow fishing tournaments. And mm-hmm. uh, guys will be like, "Hey, where, where where'd you get your limit?" And it's like, "You see that body of water out there? Out there? We, we went out there. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent." But no, I, thank you for inviting us. And yeah, yeah I, absolutely. No, I, I I won't speak for Sean, but I would love to do it again. It was it was really a good time. Yeah, hundred percent. I I this is actually kind of be. I wasn't sure what to expect. I've never done this before. So yeah, first for me. This was this was fun. I liked it. So yeah, any anytime you want to talk about ducks and geese and everything, whatever, we're here for sure. So something that I ask everybody that comes on, and you guys, I'm sure, probably already have this in mind, but um, if you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would you go, and what would you hunt? It doesn't have to be waterfowl, but if it is, I completely understand. Can it now be on the endangered list? Because it was I something. It was my dream. So. No, you can't shoot bald eagles. No, I don't. No. <laughs> you, you're talking about the phone call I got when I was in Iraq. Yeah. Um, no. So I I had a, I, I still have this passion and you can tell me that I'm whatever. But when I was in my 20s, you could still hunt a polar bear in Canada. Yeah. It was $60,000 to hunt the polar bear and probably another twenty five to get it back across. And then shortly after that, they, they put them on the endangered list. But I always wanted to go up and shoot a polar bear with a bow or go to Africa and shoot a actual male lion with a bow. That way it was sporting. I wasn't shooting them for hundreds of yards away. I had to be right there up close yeah. and personal. Those those are my two my two dream hunts. Okay. Yeah. So I would I would say my my bucket list that And a red stag, sorry. And I'd like to go shoot a red stag. New, New Zealand? Zealand? Yeah. So yeah, they're pretty. About ninety percent of the people that have been on here have said New Zealand red stag. Yeah, yeah. I've been to New Zealand. That's what upsets me. I want brown trout fishing instead. You went to New Zealand and went trout fishing. Yeah, we got trout back here, like <laughs> not far <laughs> from where we're at. I, I only like, had you know, right I only, around the corner. <laughs> I only had a couple days. You know, you're from Erie. They got trout up there. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> no, I'd say my my bucket list and. And I don't, I don't know where this obsession came from. Um, you know, I, we got a, in our industry, uh, we have a lot of friends. They do a lot of hunts uh, every fall, elk hunts, you know, Wyoming, uh, you know, Colorado, whatever. 
and I've I've honestly never been that interested, at least right now, uh, in in elk hunts. My bucket list thing that I want to do is caribou hunt, mm-hmm. and they they move in huge herds, and I mean you got to go. I mean you're you're so far north, like you're damn near on the Arctic Circle, yeah, and barren tundra, and you're spotting and you're stalking, and you got to find the herd and. You might hike, you know, ten miles or whatever it is. So that's that's what I hope to do. But I will say I've got a few friends um, that he, he we're looking at booking a trip right now for August September time frame, twenty twenty four. So nice. if Very it all nice. works out, I might I might get a check that one. That would be. And easy. then I'll then I'll have to have some other new bucket list, and maybe it'll be. Maybe it'd be Harlequins or something. Right. But. The the only other one that I would say, and it's it's one that I can actually achieve because a it's not endangered, and b <laughs> I can afford it, is a red diker. Okay. I I don't know, but it's just something about a red diker. But I'd want to do it all with a bow. I don't yeah. really care to rifle hunt anymore. It's just if I want to kill something of a of a mammal species, you know, outside of waterfowl, yeah. it's it's with a bow. Yeah. It's just it's more intimate. Yeah. Fair enough. But a red diker would be probably top of that. Yeah. I like it. Nice. I like both of them. Yeah. And back to the caribou, like, you know, you said elk. A lot of people in our industry, a lot of people in general go elk hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know too many people that go caribou hunting. I know they, I know there are plenty of caribou hunters. I just don't know many people personally. that. Yeah, I only know one person who shot one, and that was last year. Yeah. Tim shot that monster with his moose. Okay. He shot a caribou and a moose. Who was and it? Tim Neal. Oh, that's right. He did go up yeah, there, didn't and, he? And I, it, I forgot about that. studs, and I was like, man, that's that's amazing. And yeah. it was delicious, too. He, he gave me a, gave me some of the meat, and it was... I, I mean, they're not they're not as big, but I still think they're... They, they, they grow massive racks, and they're they're still pretty, and I don't know. I just like them. I, I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. One last question I have for both of you. If, uh, if our listeners, who I know got plenty of value out of this, if they wanted to reach out to you on social media, what would be the best way to reach you? Um, so you can reach out to me I on Instagram or Facebook, uh, just Chuck Towsey on Facebook. And I think my Instagram's Chuck T8098. I believe that's right. Yeah. So same, same, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Sean Wainwright on, uh, on Facebook. I think my, my picture is me and my kids in our Christmas pajamas, you know, with the Christmas tree in the background. So <laughs> yep. shouldn't be that hard to find. And then I couldn't tell you my Instagram name. I, I, I have a bad habit of like, I forget about Instagrams. I mostly deal with like Snapchat or, uh, uh, Facebook or whatever. I've okay. been trying to get better because I, I do like Instagram. All right. So but it's it's like it's like Wainwright or you know W A I N W R I S maybe Wainwright something like that. Copy that. But on Facebook it's Sean Wainwright and Sean is S E A N. Yep. Yeah. So Chuck and I are very involved in Ducks Unlimited. I'm heavily involved with my dad. Uh, you know, over in Ohio, their banquet is usually the first weekend of November. Um, every year, I mean, it's huge turnout. They sell out. It's it's a great fun, great time. Yeah. Um, Chuck up here in, in Southeast Pittsburgh uh, runs and does a chapter. They do shoots and some other stuff. Yeah. We ran a chapter up here for a couple of years uh, and together. Had kids. 
Yeah, and then I had kids, and then but our industry, our, our industry had a downturn. What was that 2014, 15? Somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, so that kind of killed it because we actually we, we relied on our our contacts and our friends and in our industry for sponsorships and things yeah. like that. So yeah. it, we did well for a few years, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I don't know. So a couple, a few years ago, Chuck picked it back up, and yeah, yeah, I started it back up after everybody had the kids and stuff. But yeah, so we do we do a sporting clay shoot. It's the last Saturday of July every year, um, down at Hunting Hills and Dillon or PA. And this year we're going to do our inaugural Top Golf event, and it's going to be March nineteenth at noon. Um, and that's all that information's on on my Facebook page and. Uh, SWPA Ducks Unlimited. We have it there also. Copy that. So just to recap that, so March 19th. Yes, sir. The SWPA Ducks Unlimited is going to be hosting a Top Golf event. And uh, if you're in the Pittsburgh area or in the general area of Pittsburgh, make sure you come out and support these guys. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think at least from, guys. from what we've heard from a few of our friends already, it's, it's going to be a good event. And I know within within ducks unlimited what were you telling me the other day we're the, we're the only one in the nation to ever put one on so it's it's got so they've some. already got national attention so it's gonna be it's gonna be a good event that's awesome lots of prizes and and beer and yeah they'll, they'll, we'll have a good time i promise good deal well, i know if uh if i'm in the area i'll definitely be there you better count on it absolutely <laughs> absolutely and to all of our listeners we just want to say thanks again for all the love and support that you continue to show us and as always keep hunting and keep doing what god calls you to do thank you for listening to hunting day with Stephen robbins don't forget to like comment subscribe if you'd like to follow you can find Stephen on instagram at Stephen hunt day and facebook at Stephen robbins hd if you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com